Some listeners may find the following content highly disturbing and controversial. Listener discretion is advised. So grab your drink, grab your dog, and let the fuckery begin. This This is Liquor and Luminol. back to liquor Illuminal. i'm Haley. i'm Kristen, and i'm emily and this is our second episode woo, woo, yay but our first episode of a cult we're gonna be kind of doing it a little evenly between murders and cults and all that jazz so keep an eye out for the future we have a couple uh we're already projecting a couple more episodes have a couple more in mind that we're going to be doing so we've got a plan yeah hopefully we'll be putting them out on a more even schedule for you guys yes hopefully we got a new interface. We did. So we shout out to Presonos because yes. that's what we're using now. Yes. You guys are hearing us real crispy. We real are crispy. crispy, like crispy bacon on a good Sunday morning. Easy like a Sunday morning. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> Get it. Get it. Um, thank you for listening to everybody that listened to our first episode. We're doing this for fun. We literally didn't think anybody this many people would listen it's not even that much it's not but it means the world to us because we're just like oh we're gonna have like two listeners and i think the last time we checked we were like what 25 yeah so almost 30 people are listening yes and we're through the roof we're (laughs) jumping up and down so thank you very much for listening it's it's amazing we're doing this for fun we're doing this because our boss was like look i'm not paying you to talk about true crime and we're like true no he didn't say that but (laughs) It was close to that. We thought that ourselves. <laughs> we're like, you know, how about we're, we we can't get paid to be doing this anymore. Let's let's take yeah, care so of we'll time. Yeah, so we'll just set aside some time and actually talk about this. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, and also a really special shout out that we forgot to mention in our first episode, and that is to my dear friend MJ. She, me, and her became friends last year with our love of Harry Styles and One Direction, and she did our cover art. So thank you, MJ. Yes. And I hope that our Harry Styles sweatshirt gift made it to you safe and sound yes. and that it fits. Yes, and it's all sparkly and goodness, and you love it. We love it. you. We appreciate we you. all your hard work. And thank you for being patient with us because uh, we've had to redesign it a couple times. I was <laughs> yeah. afraid of uh, trademark infringement. But, <laughs> but we've got something, and it looks fantastic. It does, and thank you. So today we're talking about Heaven's Gate. Yes. And get into it. Um, it's just me and Emily today. I'll be talking about um, Marshall and Bonnie, their lives before they met, who they met, and then kind of the outline of Heaven's Gate, and then Emily will take it over. Yeah, and then I'll go into more like of when they're actually getting somewhat of a following, and then just kind of the deep dive that it takes and the ultimate outcome of it. Um, this one should be fun because Kristen doesn't really know a ton of information about it. She obviously knows like the gist of it, but I feel like some of the um, more in-depth look. <laughs> she's I'll going, be learning a lot right along with everybody. Yeah, else. she is going to be learning about it. Um, so this one should be should be interesting because it's yeah. different than how we did Ed. So even on our lunch breaks, we would talk about it, and she'd be like, "Wait, what happens?" And we're like, "Oh, sh- nothing. <laughs> we, we can't talk about it yet." <laughs> So yeah, we'll dive right into it, and I will start it off. So we'll start with Bonnie. Bonnie Lou Truesdale was born August 29th, 1927 in Houston, Texas. She was raised in a Baptist family and would eventually move away from the religion the older she got. 
Bonnie would go on to be an RN and would eventually marry a businessman named Joseph in December 1972, and they would go on to have four children. Their marriage started to deteriorate as Bonnie began showing interest in spiritualism, mediums, and astrology. Her husband was a pretty straight-laced guy, so he didn't have the same beliefs as Bonnie, and he stuck to a more traditional thinking. Bonnie also believed that she was close friends with a 19th century monk named Brother Francis and that the spirit would talk with her and give her life advice. She would also hold seances every Wednesday in the living room of her family home with mediums and they would attempt to contact spirits. With her new age thinking, Bonnie was seen as an outcast. Bonnie's daughter, Terry, would later say, quote, Mom and I didn't fit in with everyone else. We used to dream about UFOs picking us up and taking us away from here. We felt like we didn't belong, end quote. Even in counting one instance seeing a UFO, quote, we saw this light in the sky that appeared to move in different directions. We started talking about what it would be like to go to different planets and leave this earth, end quote. In 1972, she would visit multiple psychics and many told Bonnie she would meet a mysterious man who was tall with white hair and had a fair complexion, which is a fairly accurate description of Marshall Applewhite. So now on to Marshall. Marshall Herf Applewhite Jr. was born May 17, 1931, in Spur, Texas, to Marshall Herf Applewhite Sr. and Louise Applewhite. Marshall Sr. was a Presbyterian minister, and Marshall was overall a very religious child. After graduating high school, he earned a bachelor's degree in philosophy at Austin College in Texas. He then studied theology at Union Presbyterian Seminary, working to become a minister. In school, Marshall was a popular guy, and he was a leader in the choir, and he was described to have a magnetic personality. After graduating, Marshall would marry Anne in 1952, and they would have two children. He would eventually abandon his studies to become a minister and pursue his career in music, becoming a, a music director at the Presbyterian Church in North Carolina. He was then drafted by the military, where he would serve four years, and he was honorably discharged in 1956. He would enroll at the University of Colorado, where he would earn a bachelor's, I'm sorry, a master's degree in music and focused on music theater. So overall, he was a pretty intelligent guy. Um, he then did a brief stint in New York in an attempt to become a professional singer, but he would move to Alabama to become a professor of music at the University of Alabama. But he lost the, pers uh, the position after pursuing a sexual relationship with a male student. After he was fired, he promptly checked himself into a mental hospital for having what he called homosexual urges. Now, I bring this up because it's believed that some decisions he makes in Heaven's Gate, which Emily talked about earlier, I don't want to spoil any of those, but some decisions he makes in Heaven's Gate might have been linked to his internalized homophobia. So when his wife found out about the affair, they separated, and three years later, the divorce was finalized. After losing his job in Alabama, he moved to Houston to serve as a chair of the the music department in University St. Thomas. He became a popular singer and would go on to perform at the Houston Grand Opry. In Houston, Marshall was briefly openly gay, but he did pursue relationships with women. One woman was from a wealthy family. She would eventually end the relationship because of pressure from her family, and it was said that he was pretty upset over the breakup. Marshall resigned from University St. Thomas, citing depression and emotional problems. He did a brief stint in New Mexico, but he would eventually move back to Texas around the same time his father passed away and his depression became worse. So overall, we get that Marshall was an intelligent guy and he moved around a lot. Like, Yeah, and I think even when he was growing up like as a child, his family yes. was never in one place, which is also foreshadowing for the group. They were constantly moving around. They were never in the same place. Yes. And I think that was just because it was something comfortable 
for him mm-hmm. so that that's just what they and did. on the other hand bonnie she seemed like she was pretty stable and where yeah yeah exactly so now that brings us to their meeting. So they met in March 1972. Now we have heard so many different stories on how they met. So I'll tell you some that we found, and then you all can decide which ones you believe or not. Because yeah, so, there's like 10 different conspiracy theories on how they met. It's ridiculous. It's, it's ridiculous. So the first one is Marshall described the meeting saying, quote, he visited a hospitalized friend when Miss Nettles entered the room. And their eyes locked in shared recognition of esoteric secrets, end quote. (laughs) That's interesting. (laughs) Yes. The second one is Bonnie's daughter, Terry, said that she worked at a theater Marshall was a part of. And someone got hurt. Marshall took them to the hospital. And that's where him and Bonnie met. One is Marshall had surgery for a heart blockage and almost died. Bonnie was Marshall's nurse. And after the operation, she told Marshall that God kept him alive because he had a purpose. So the fourth and last one that I'm going to talk about, because like Emily said, there was like 16. Too many. 16. I'm a grandmother. <laughs> if you guys know what that is. <laughs> because Kristen sure does I sure doesn't. didn't until I met these two. Vine is life. Anyway. <laughs> the uh, fourth one is Marshall had a psychotic break and was hospitalized and Bonnie was his nurse. So we don't know which is true, but based on these events, I'm going to safely assume they met at the hospital while bonnie was working because that's yeah there's some sort of instance where they were in a hospital whether that's marshall losing his shit or there was a surgery a friend had a surgery whatever i'm almost positive that that's how they met was in a hospital setting i tend to believe that he was having surgery or whatever and she was his nurse because that would leave time for them to communicate and like get to know each other yeah if she was like caring for him see i kind of feel like for me, the psychotic break one makes sense because he was so freaked out about potentially being gay and that he checked himself into a mental institution. And now the only thing that is questionable about that is technically Bonnie did not work That's what in I was a mental thinking. institution. Yeah. But at the time, I mean, and even now, you can check yourself into a hospital and there's still nurses that have to take care of you. Yeah. It's not specifically to like a psych ward or something like that. So... That's kind of why I feel like that would make sense because then if she's already got these like spiritual beliefs, these Mm -hmm. thoughts, and he's so susceptible because he's on like a psychotic break of some sort, it's easier for him to be like, oh, like I think you're right. Like we could be aliens. Yeah. And this is life is not real. We don't know exactly where she worked. Well, she worked in a hospital. But we don't know like what hospital. I don't think. There were some that said she worked with babies, but that just doesn't... Yeah, her daughter said that she was a prenatal nurse because she loved children. But, I mean, just because that's... I think that they could move you around in a hospital where they would need you to. Yeah. So, I don't know. That's why it's so, like, there's no set on it. Because her kids said one thing, they Mm -hmm. said another thing, friends said one thing. It's just, it's all here. It's all over the place. Yeah. Marshall was in the middle of a life crisis. Um, His father passed away. He got his heart broken. He's dealing with sexuality. So he started straying away from his traditional religion he grew up with and began going on retreats to find his own answers, such as believing that the angels that are talked about in the Bible are actually UFOs. And with a powerful enough telescope, you could see God. He would also have visions, including one in which he was chosen for a role like that of Jesus. And can I just say that when people start seeing themselves as fucking Jesus, that that's when shit starts hitting the fan. You know you have a problem. That's when you should know. <laughs> Nothing good comes when someone's from like, yeah, I'm like Jesus. Yeah, no. <laughs> 
And spoiler alert, this kind of goes with that. After Heaven's Gate was established, they would even go as far as to say when Jesus was reincarnated, he was come back as a Texan. Okay. <laughs> that is my favorite part, potentially, out of all of this. Jesus reincarnated as a Texan. Yes. And I'm, can, uh, Jesus will not come back as an American. Like, yeah, if Jesus one, he's came not back, American anyway. No. I mean, like, we don't even want to be in this hellhole. Like, what do you think you would want to be an, an American? Like, you know what? We're all going to come back as an American, specifically Texas. Texas. Like, and I just imagine, like, something, like, beaming down, like a beam of light. He's got on those ridiculous cowboy boots that, like, turn up five inches with a large cowboy hat on. Oh, yes. And, like, Wranglers with, with a like, big old With, like, the spurs ball. on. Yes. yes. And he's with like, the cowboy there's hat. a new sheriff in town. And, and, and go, it's, it's Jesus. Jesus. <laughs> The long freaking hair. Yes. Like, yes. boom. Okay. Bonnie would agree with Marshall saying that their meeting was foretold to her by extraterrestrials. So I'm sorry, but this makes me think of that movie with Olivia Wilde. Aliens, a- aliens and Cowboys. Aliens and Cowboys. cowboys and aliens, whatever it's called. Whatever comes first. Yeah, like that's what I'm picturing right now. With like this, in the middle of the desert. I've never this, seen that movie. I've, so never, I have, no, I've never, never seen it either, but like I can think of the trailer and like all I'm picturing is like her and some cowboys and some fucking aliens and like with and Jesus. With Jesus. <laughs> Jesus. Like instead of her, it's Jesus. Oh my God. I have no context about that I, movie. I've so never, yeah. It's just funny. I mean, I've never seen it either, so. Bonnie would agree with Marshall, saying that their first meeting was foretold to her by extraterrestrials. Bonnie is rumored to have also told Marshall they are soulmates. As I mentioned, Bonnie was really into astrology, and she looked at a star chart and convinced Marshall that they were uh, destined to work together on a big project, and they were spiritual partners. Marshall moved in with Bonnie and her husband and their children, and this, of course, brought some added tension into Bonnie's marriage, which would result in divorce, and he ended up taking the kids in the divorce. And it's also really important to note that Bonnie and Marshall's relationship was never romantic. They never slept together. They never intended to get married. This was purely platonic. They were soulmates, but it was more like spiritual soulmates. It was never physical. In 1973, they decided to begin traveling and take a spiritual journey across the United States. They left Texas with no money. It got to the point where they would have to sell their blood or work odd jobs to make money. While on the road, they would just travel to alternative health centers and meet with people who had the same beliefs as they did. And this is where they started to put together and come up with what we know now as Heaven's Gate. So here's the beginning outline. One, they were prophets sent by God to fulfill a divine prophecy. Two, they were given a higher level minds than anyone else. Three, they would be killed for their beliefs, be resurrected from the grave, and transported onto a spaceship. This specifically came from Book of Revelation, chapter 11, verse 3 through 12. But in verse 12, the Bible says, quote, They heard a loud voice from heaven saying to them, Come up here. And they went up to heaven in a cloud while their enemies looked on. Now, this is where they bring in the sci-fi portion of Heaven's Gate. So what I just read in verse 12, the Bible mentions a cloud. And they believe this cloud was a flying saucer. And by flying saucer is how you will ascend to heaven. Now, to justify this, they would say first century and second century people didn't know what a flying saucer or UFO was. So they would just describe it as a cloud. For layman's terms. Yes. Okay. Because I love how you can just It's read. interchangeable. Cloud right. and UFO. Well, it's... everything is, right? Like the whole, oh, yeah. I'm sorry. The whole Bible is just like, yeah, uh, for This is what oh, I get from it. And I get into that further down the road up for interpretation up for interpretation religion in book of revelation it also has this quote 
And I will grant authority to my two witnesses, and they will prophesy for 1,216 days, clothed in sackcloth. They are the two olive trees and the two lampposts that stand before the Lord of earth. And if anyone were to harm them, fire pours from their mouth and consumes their foes. And this is where they drop their birth-given names and are started going by the two, which plays from the uh, verse from Revelations when it's talking about the two witnesses that I just read. So they've got their teachings, and this is when they start trying to find followers. And this is where Emily is going to take over. And just to add into your part as well. Please. They did technically have one follower when they left Texas, and it was a... Um, she was married. She had, I yes. think, one or two kids. Her child was only like nine months old or some shit. Mm-hmm. So they got, they convinced her to join her, to join them. But she left, I mean, maybe like a month or so in mm-hmm. because she couldn't, you know, do what they were asking, like give up your humanness because she had a family. They had to leave she everything. Knew, yeah, they had to leave everything. So she knew what she was doing. And I think the guilt just got to her. And then they went. I forget exactly where they went, but she, I think it was somewhere in Texas, and she was like, oh, well, I have a family friend who lives there. We can go stay with them. And then it actually ended up being an intervention to get that lady to yeah. come back to her family. So they yeah. technically had a follower for a brief period. Yeah, and, like, her family was there, and, like, her daughter ran up to her and was like, please don't leave, Mommy. We love you, or, like, something like that. Yeah, and so she had, like, a couple kids. I forget. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, so technically, bottom line, they had one follower, but it did not last long. So it really just was them two on the road all the time um, just trying to Just deciding that they were prophets and whatnot. Yes. Yeah, the two. The t- <laughs> so their main meeting to recruit people was in Oregon. And they had flyers and everything, and it was talking about the Chosen Two. The UFO Two is what the press was calling them, um, even though obviously they were just calling themselves the Two because of the prophecy. So over a nine-month period, they started putting out these meetings and bringing people together. Um, time frame-wise, it was like 1975 to 1976. So this main meeting in Oregon is where they got a bulk of their I guess crew together is what they kind of called in the beginning. So once they had all those people together, T and Doe, and I should probably preface that T and Doe are their extraterrestrial name or Mm -hmm. higher being names. So Bonnie and Marshall are their human vehicle names. And that's (laughs) how they viewed this. That's how they viewed it. That they were extraterrestrial (laughs) and that one of them said that, like, think of it as a car. Yes. 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 And so it'd be like, you know, Kristen, you are Kristen as a human, but then you have a secondary what, inner what being. What would you like it to be? What would you like your alien name to be? Well, I don't know. I have an alien growing inside of me right now. <laughs> so true. there's two aliens here. So Kristen, this cult's for you. <laughs> I mean, this whole thing. So I'm literally yes. her vehicle right now. So <laughs> T and Doe were their their higher being names. Bonnie and Marshall were, ju- were just their, their human names. So when I refer to T and Doe, I'm talking about Bonnie is T and Marshall is Doe. Um, So T and Doe in the group went underground to form what they called a classroom. Within this classroom, in their trainings, they would go through programs basically to prepare their students to shed their humanness. So giving up, you know, any humanly want so like sex was a big part of it money any sort of tangible material thing they had to just completely give up that sounds like scientology 
it, little classes it, that yeah, they have to yeah, take. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of this, yeah. Kind of rings the same bell. Uh, so in July 1976, the class was formed because they cut down about 50% of the people who originally joined. So now there's about 40 to 50-ish people at this point. And what T and Doe start doing is recording their lessons to the class. So they've got a video camera and they're just recording it for later on purposes if this really took flight. Um, a part of the teaching is that everything you do is a test to join the next level. There's going to be no teachers in the next level. All you get is T and Doe. And once you've graduated, and that's the whole thing too, is it was they literally used it in simplistic terms. You're in a classroom, you are the class, and then you will graduate. So once you graduated to the next level, there's no teachers. You have to learn how to not be human in yeah. order to graduate. Um, in November of 1967, they put out a guideline book, which was how your behavior was supposed to be. And if you couldn't follow these rules, you were not welcome into the group. Um, at that point, they knew that not everyone who signed up for the cult would make the cut. They only wanted the elite of the elite to be with them. They didn't want anybody who was going to get in their way. Um, strict obedience was required, um, and you had to use the system that they made up called a check partner. Mm -hmm. So it was, you were basically paired with someone who was the complete opposite of you. So if you were outgoing and super loud, you would be paired with someone who was to the rules, super quiet, because they figured if you were paired with someone so opposite of you, there was no way that you were going to pair up and become defiant against the group. So it's like this whole and mind game, I guess you could call it. And they also went as far as to go men with women. Like men were paired with women. Those were their check, their check partners. Yes. And this would also be a test of like not. Yeah. If you could sex. hold your. I was urges. just gonna say that's mm -hmm. a that's a good test. Yeah. <laughs> right. Because if they did everything together. Yeah. Right. I mean everything. You're in such close quarters with these people, but that was their thought process. If I put you with someone who's so opposite, there's no way that something negative could come of you guys being partners mm -hmm. and then it was it was a test of can you obey obey these rules being with the opposite sex so it was all a giant mind game with the, with these people um and then that leads into the the next thing that sex had to completely be given up in order to achieve the next level so this included any sort of sexual relation any sort of um inappropriate thought you could not masturbate anything that revolved around sexual that was too being, humanly that was too human you had to completely give it up how do we know aliens don't have sex good point i mean they well they've talked to them they gotta reproduce somehow they, well they, what you don't know is they've talked to if them they've talked and, to they them. Were told. <laughs> and they were told that no we don't have their sex what is that <gasps> You do but what goes where? You said what? <laughs> you said he puts that thing where? Um, and so another part of it too uh, that I feel like doesn't get talked about a lot is they had their own language. And in this handbook was the language, and it was kind of an unspoken rule that you had to learn the language in order to also be in this group. So like the our English word of job, they equivalented that to out of craft task. Like, out of the spacecraft task. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> money was called sticks. 
office was CompuLab and laundry room was FiberLab. From now Fiber. on. From Fiber. Now on, Lab. <laughs> from now on, I'm saying I got to go to my, what's office? Office is CompuLab. I'm going to go back to my CompuLab. I'm like, <laughs> it's a good lunch, guys. I'm going to go back to my CompuLab. <laughs> I got to go back to my out of out of craft task this morning. <laughs> yeah. It was just, it, just fucking stupid. And it it's comical. Um, but so... And I think a good thing to remember, too, is when people join this group, mind you, we're in the 70s. It's the hippie era. Yes. People are still really into this, and it's free love, free thought. New of, age thinking. Yeah, new age yeah. thinking, all this kind of stuff. So when they joined, it really was, you can come and go. You can really do whatever you want. It's, you know, it's this, like, this idea of freedom, but like higher knowledge freedom. Mm-hmm. So as they started putting out rules and regulations, people really started to see how the group was. There was no more freedom. You had to turn your brain off and become a robot to keep making it throughout this group. And people did slowly start to leave and they never asked people to stay. They figured if you wanna go, you wanna go, you're not meant for this Which group. Which is very rare in yes. cults. Because usually once you're in it, yes. you're you're in it. It's like a gang. Yes, another thing I found interesting is you might mention this later, but they preferred quality over quantity. Yes, they did not care really the amount of people that were in it it was the specific people that they mm-hmm. had you know latched on to that that were in it so yeah if, you know that's smart though if you think about it just because yeah. it is it controls you, it even more even right more. there's even no more. rogue people like thinking their own yes. thoughts. yeah exactly yeah. So, leah remini making yeah. scientology in the aftermath documentary yeah right <laughs> I haven't watched that yet. Oh, girl, it. get in on it. Get in. It's on my so list. Bad. I have a lot of shows on my list. Mm-hmm. So those who decided to stay in the group were convinced that they were not humans, um, but they had these vehicles, the vessels for their higher being to just basically stay in. And they used the analogy of um, a caterpillar into a butterfly a lot. <laughs> because the thought behind this was, you know, you're a caterpillar. You're a worm on a rounded life. Mm-hmm. You're a cocoon. You're worming around. You're literally. They do this. They're little. <laughs> so then you make your cocoon, and this was you shedding your humanness. So they were they were preparing themselves for their cocoons, and they're shedding their humanness. Kristen is shaking her head right I now. I can't. This is too much. She's like, why did we do this? These people are. And so then, crazy. when they break out of their cocoon, they're the butterfly, so meaning. <laughs> so they break out of their cocoon and they're butterflies and the butterfly is so that you could go to the next level Mm -hmm. so this is also important analogy to remember that they were never supposed to leave the vehicle you were supposed to just shed and you would become a human to an alien so you would transform without actually leaving your body this is important Kristen, it's important to remember this. Mm -hmm. Um, So then once they, you know, are starting to shed their humanness, becoming more into this group, um, by 77, they were what people would compare like nuns and monks to. They're celibate and they took on new names. So this is where they get into renaming themselves as their next level names. One to two syllables for the first name, followed by the last name Odie. And Odie, I don't know if they made this shit up or if this is like Latin I'm or something. I'm pretty sure they made this shit up. I'm sure they did as well. <laughs> but Odie was for little member. 
and when became when they became adults to the next level the y would drop off and it would be owed also in 77 they started wearing similar outfits all the time the goal was for them to be genderless and look androgynous because aliens are androgynous they have no gender the next level there's no male or female you are just Mm -hmm. a higher being um, we don't know that. They do. They talk to them, ah, Kristen. You don't. They're the two. They're the chosen ones. They talk Get to extra Kristen. Did you not listen to my part? She talked to them. She talked to them. And they said, this is what's up, bitch. Tell the I world. Mean, she I would told like to try whatever it was she was taking when she was talking. But, but you know, whatever. I mean, it, Continue. It, tomato, tomato. Yep. Um, so the class is what they're going by now. Strongly believe that they were free. Uh, They were a giant family, and they were all going to leave this world together and be beamed up by the freaking space. Scotty, beam me up. Beam me up, Scotty. Scotty. Um, (laughs) And he did like Star Trek. Oh, yeah. So (laughs) there's, like, when they're talking about, like, acknowledging, because they know that they had families that they left to do this. Mm -hmm. They just knew that in order to go to this next level, they had to leave everything behind, and they accepted it, and they knew that they were hurting people, but it's really – eerie because they said um people whose vehicles they loved were their greatest threat like other people's vehicles were the greatest threat to the group yeah which is just weird to hear someone refer to themselves as a vehicle and just detach from their life completely yeah like i'm just a vessel for something else happening it's just weird because like no you had kids you had husbands and wives and friends and other family and then you're just like no fuck that i'm a freaking alien <laughs> and that's how you want to live your I'm life i'm a that's caterpillar fine. <laughs> i had this book and it was called ruffles book which was a compiled book of meaningful quotes that like the group members would like write in and out of all the time i don't know why it was called ruffles book but that's what it was referred it just makes to. me think of chips yeah, yeah. i think it <laughs> was supposed hungry. to have something with like snacks i don't even know but one of the quotes in it was, what lies behind us lies buried because it's dead. Lays, lays ruffle. They're, these people are high. I know. I, yeah. And it just, <laughs> it's just freaking weird. They got the munchies. They've got munchies because they're high being aliens. Um, so just to touch on the fact of their families for a brief moment, um, one of the main reasons why they were, the group was always moving from, point a to point b all the freaking time is one because that's what marshall grew up with so he was more comfortable doing that but also because they like the families of these people were still looking for them Mm -hmm. so whenever they caught wind of hey i think they're in texas hey they're in new mexico hey they're wherever they would try to go and find them and be like what the fuck are you doing i haven't heard from you i have no idea what's going on are you dead or you're alive whatever so they're always moving around and eventually they did start moving into houses and that was funded by when you first joined the group you had like a donation and so like people had inherited money they had their whole freaking life savings and they gave it to the group so that they could live in these you know little communes basically um so when they were living in houses it was like 15 people into a house but you could only assign like two or three people to go in and out of the home so that the neighbors never knew how many people were living in the house. They just assumed that it was just one or two people. They just assumed that it was one or two people. Only those same two could ever leave? It could never change? Yes. No. Could never change. And then if people, the neighbors started getting suspicious, they'd pick up and move. They'd pick up and move overnight. Well, how's that for quarantine? 
literally can't ever leave. Yeah. yeah. So I just I thought that was very oh. interesting. Um, I'm I'd curious to know if it's always the same people. Like every time they would move, if it would be the same. I don't think it would be the same, but it would be for that neighborhood. It would yeah. always be the same people. Like I'm gonna yeah. check the mail. I'm gonna take the trash out. Yeah. I don't know if they get mail, but they would take the trash out. They would go to the grocery store. Aliens kind of stuff. do not receive mail. Fact: Aliens do not have USPS <laughs> mail. So, one of the mothers of the cult member his name was alex something his mother oh alex brown because his mother nancy brown put together a families network trying to like people who were trying to connect with their family members when they left for the cult um she would make these like monthly newsletters to try to like say hey this is where we last heard that they were apparently everybody's still alive blah blah blah, blah. the reason why she did this was i mean obviously because they're not having any connection with their family but while they are underground and having no communication with their family jonestown's happening Mm. jonestown mass suicide because of a cult they're thinking the worst thing could happen is oh my god they're all dead and we don't even know just because this is all going on so it was mainly about the group safety and trying to figure out what was going on but it gets interesting because here you're about to see the massive hypocrisy of this group so for the the first time for the first time (laughs) so t uh who is bonnie nettles was actually writing letters once a month to her daughter asking about how her life was what she was doing her daughter would write back and ask the same kind of things and occasionally they would talk on the phone mind you the whole time that they're on the phone um marshall or doe is also on the phone making sure that bonnie or t is not talking about anything that would go against the group but just to keep it on like surface conversation i also heard she was uh like leaving money for her daughter like she was like sneaking in the house or something like that oh i'm sure that she was probably doing all kinds of different stuff i don't physically know i don't think she physically ever saw her children after she left but she was i mean if she's writing her letters she's somehow obtaining money the group has money obviously well and that's where i was gonna go with it is like it just shows that the leader is like not actually following through with like what she says no she's taking money from them yeah all of the class to right yeah to abide by these rules and she's they're both Mm -hmm. actively not doing that so that's just one of the many instances where it's kind of like so you expect your followers to abide by this but secretly you're going off and doing yeah you know your own little side note thing so eventually t is she's showing signs of being ill uh we find out that she has cancer and this was around 1985 so she had cancer in her eye she had to get her eyeball removed so then she had to wear this like dope ass eye patch around i hope she bedazzled it i don't know if she bedazzled it but she had this eye patch on and she thought that she was fine and she never really talked to the group about being diagnosed with cancer but she kept like declining so then they find out that her cancer had spread to her liver and it was so bad that they couldn't do anything for her um she ended up actually passing away two to three weeks after finding out it was just so bad that they couldn't do anything um now mind you she's still in connection with her daughter but her daughter has no idea that her mother is dead she doesn't know for six to nine months that her mom had died because it was yeah it was her mom's request that if she did pass the group did not tell her daughter so she didn't want her to know any of this her daughter never knew that she was sick didn't know that she died and that was what her wishes were that's so sad because i'm sure this the letters just stopped coming and like yeah because she she literally was just like i don't know why i stopped hearing from my mom 
And so she would try to reach out to Marshall. He wasn't saying anything. He just radio silence. So um, T died June 19th, 1985. She, her daughter, Terry, wasn't told until March 26th of 1986. So, you know, a few months goes by, but, you know, she just didn't know anything. And then Marshall ended up recording a tape and sent it to Terry explaining what happened. But, I mean, as you can imagine, that probably gave her no closure. Because, yeah. I mean, you don't, you don't talk to your mom. You can't find out what's going on. They never had a funeral for mm-hmm. her mom because everybody was like, fuck her. She went off and, and became this extraterrestrial crazy lady. She's exiled from our family. No one gave a shit what happened to her. So they never even had a funeral. So I can what only to her body. I think she got cremated or I something. I think that I think in what I was because I did a small amount of research. <laughs> I think I heard that yeah, she was cremated by the group. Like they did her daughter at least get her remains? I don't think so. I don't know. Whatever. I literally yeah. don't know what happened to her body. Which yeah. So then, which it's her human vehicle. So it's, it's her it human vehicle. Matter. It doesn't really matter. She's a <laughs> butterfly in the sky. Yeah, she's point. a butterfly she's at this point. So in October of 1985, following T's death, Doe then allows the class to go home and see loved ones. Um, and he seemed to have started to let them call their families, go visit their families more. And I think that Marshall, not t- not Doe, but Marshall, mm-hmm. the logical human being, realized that you can't cut people off from They're your family yeah. or else it's going to raise more suspicion. Because as in this whole group's going on, even when T was alive, they were like, the government's after us, people are after us, we have to go underground and hide and all this kind of stuff. So I think that he thought to himself, it's probably better if we have connection with our families because then it raises less questions. Yeah. But it's it's also confusing because it's totally fucking with everyone in the group. They've spent years, handful of years now, learning how to detach themselves from humanly wants, needs, desires, Mm -hmm. everything. And now he's like, actually, you know what? You can go back and and talk to your families. Actually, I'm going to make you go have a family visit every Mother's Day. That was another thing. Every Mother's Day, the group would go back and visit their families. Which is for crazy like a because, week. like you said, Mother's Day, that's, a, that's you know. That's like a significant human, human holiday. holiday. Yeah. So it's just, it's super interesting that he was just kind of taking this. It's like he didn't, once T died, he didn't know what to do. Because this ultimately was really T's idea. And Doe was just following along. And now it's all up to him to figure out what's going on. And kind of like we had talked about earlier, where it, it, the Bible is so interchangeable, it can fit how you want one thing to fit, and then it will be different in a different scenario. Mm-hmm. So there's actually, um, it's called cogn- cognitive dissonance. I hope I'm saying that right. But it's when a person holds two or more contradictory beliefs at the same time. So the group really struggled in understanding why T, this higher being who just had a vehicle, how did she die? If she was such a higher being, how could she get such a humanly illness and that could take her? Because she's human. I hate to break it to you. Because she's human. (laughs) So it just, it really was messing with everybody. So of course, you know, Doe was coming up with all these, well, it's because um, 
I wrote it down. Hold on, where's the quote so I can say it? Well, see, this this is what bothers me about like cult leaders and whatnot. Like I I understand people can be brainwashed. I understand all of that, but like when these things happen and you start seeing like the cracks in this just random person that you've chose to believe like every word that comes out of their mouth, like isn't that when you'd be like, hmm, he's really just making this shit up as he goes. I think if this were to have happened early on in the group, Mm -hmm. yes, they would have been able to see the cracks. They are in it to freaking win it at this point. They do not see, because I mean, you have to remember too, the whole time that all this is happening, they have literally been trained to separate what happens to humans versus what happens to them. They have no idea of what's happening in real life. They don't live in reality. They're in this crazy alien world. But he told the group that the reason that T died is because her next levelness burned up her vehicle. Mm. Basically that she burned out of her body because her next level being was too strong to hold the vehicle. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. it just making things fit for what needs to fit, basically. Um, so this totally changes the trajectory of the group. I mean, it takes like a freaking 180 turn. So now, and Haley had talked about it earlier, it's, you know, there's a Jesus reincarnate as a Texan. Yes. And it happens to be very close to what Marshall looks like. Mm-hmm. So now Marshall is fully invested saying that he is Jesus, come back to earth. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And now that T is dead, T is now the heavenly father. So the group is now going from like this spiritual kind of extraterrestrial-ish idea into a very more biblical meaning. And it's away from what T was really ever thinking the group would be. But it's also not shocking that it takes a biblical turn because Marshall's father was a Mm -hmm. Presbyterian minister and Marshall was going to Montessori school I think that's what you say that to become a minister. Yeah. So he was going. That he knows it. Yeah. He so kn- he, knows he knows the Bible. He knows he it like knows. the back of his hand. So it's familiar enough for him to be like, well, if I have to take this group over, we're gonna make it what I know, and yeah. what I know was the freaking Bible. So he started. You know, he started the whole. You can go talk to your family. You can go talk to them on the phone as long as you have your check partner on the other line, so that you're not talking ill of the group. But there's more human interaction that's being introduced into the group which is just really messing with everybody and then one day he says if you guys had a hundred dollars each to yourself what would you buy for yourself and no one knew what to say because they're like i, I don't that's human the concept of money blows my mind because it's human i don't know what to do with that so since no one knew what to say to that doe was like well the answer is a gold band it's a gold ring we're going to buy rings now, and you are all going to marry me. Because in the traditional biblical sense, and when you get married, your ring is a tie between husband mm-hmm. and wife and God. So he's now making the marriage, the marriage to your group and to him. So it's still the triangle. So yeah, basically Doe is losing his shit at this point because this was all T's idea, and now everything is shifting from the message to the messenger and i think that that's really fucking with him and it's obviously messing with everybody in the group um he doesn't know how to cope with losing her and how to keep her message alive without it becoming this whole other thing 
a great example of this is Star Trek becomes a huge part of this group because how convenient it's literally what they're aiming for. If aliens weren't enough. Yes. So he starts saying that, you know, the group is like Star Trek and I guess I've never watched Star Trek, but in the show, there's this thing called the Borg, which is apparently somewhat similar to the group. I couldn't explain it to you because I've never seen the show, but Doe was like, this is what we are. So he's using this sci-fi show to explain the goal now, which it doesn't make sense either. Um, And I do want to talk about two people in particular, and this is based off of the HBO series Heaven's Gate, but they're two group members, and their names, they're human names. I don't know their alien names. Something... uh, Odie? Odie. Yeah, something Odie. But um, their real names are Frank and Erica, and they joined the group together. So before the group, they had been dating for like four or five years, and then they joined the group together. They basically have to break up within this group because you're not supposed to have any sexual urges or mm-hmm. any relationships other than just being in the group itself. Um, is this the guy that developed a stutter because of the group? Yes. Yes, it is. Um, so he, her, him and her join this group, and they're together for like freaking 20-some years at this point, like before their group life and then while in the group. I think they were in it together for 18 years. And Frank started getting really weird vibes, and he was like, I've got to get out. It was the time when they were taking a break, and so – they bought plane tickets to go visit their family because they were both from Canada. And he was like, please come with me. I am leaving this group forever. Mm -hmm. I can't not be with you. I am in love with you, and I need to get out of this group. She's so brainwashed that she's fully into it. She's like, I can't leave this group, and I can't leave to be with you. So he kept asking her to come, but she just wouldn't. So then once he's out, she was still allowed to call him. So she called him one day, and, you know, she had her check partner on the phone. So he was like, please just leave the group. I need you to be with me, blah, blah, blah. I'm trying to get you out of this. And she was like, no, I just can't. I can't, and and I'm not going to leave this group. That was the last time that he ever heard from her, was on this phone call trying to get her to basically save her life. And she just said no, and that was the last time that they ever talked. So that's kind of like the severity of this group in a – small summed up interview um after t passed away doe wanted to have a right-hand man and this guy's name was dick jocelyn but the issue with that is dick and marshall were both homosexuals and dick was never into marshall at all he just knew that they were group members there was no relationship ever between them because it it was not it was humanly yeah because it was humanly Mm -hmm. so you know dick jocelyn knew what the fuck was up but marshall He's human. He makes human mistakes. So Marshall starts developing feelings for Dick Jocelyn. And he told him, hey, um, I'm having feelings for you, so you can no longer be as involved in this group as you are, which devastated him because he was like, this is my whole fucking life. And now you're telling me that I can't be involved. So that was a whole riff between them. But you can really see that Marshall started conforming the group to fit his needs and wants. And again, it's about the messenger and not the message. So they're all deep into believing him and following his life that they don't even 
think twice about it really with when he makes decisions. And even some of the higher up group members were feeding Marshall ideas. One of these brilliant ideas is that they would all get castrated. So everybody's on board with this castration. And a big part of, I think, why this idea took off is that whenever they would have what they called nocturnal emissions or what we would call a wet dream, um, they would have to log it in a book and specifically go to a bathroom and clean it up in a particular way with a with like set aside towels. Yeah. But you had to freaking check in and out whenever you had these emissions. So I think that that was a big part of it. Uncontrollable urges. Yeah, uncontrollable. <laughs> humanly yeah. urges. Yeah. And you know, I part think, of me thinks that that's because with what's his name Apple. Apple. Marshall? Marshall. 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 Thank Doe. you. Doe or Doe. Marshall. God. Part of me thinks that because Doe is still wanting to be sexually active, like, mm-hmm. I almost feel like the having people sign in and out is like a turn on for him. Like, he gets to read the, like, he gets to see. I don't know. I kind of feel like it's yeah, a... Yeah, I kind of yeah. had the same thought where it's like, it's a weird, like, fetish that he has, yeah. but it's also kind of to be like, Okay, who's still is this still a problem for not just me? Uh, yes, you know, yes. like a confirmation yes. as well. So yes. either way, it's this whole manipulation mind game thing mm-hmm. that they have to check in and out when something freaking happens. So, and I can only imagine that how much shame that creates. So people don't want to have to do that. So then it's like, well, let's just get rid of the problem as a whole. Cut our nuts off. And however you do that with a female, because we, we don't off. have nuts. So, <laughs> so they're all on board. They're like, yes, let's get castrated. So what Marshall does is he makes a sign within the house that they're staying at that reads Mexico. So that if anybody said, well, where'd you go get castrated? They could say Mexico. But really, it was what in whatever house that they were in. Some did. So um, one of the members was actually a nurse in her human life and so she was like oh hell yeah i can do this no problem well there were problems problems the first guy who stepped up to the plate has major issues in getting you know his little little snip snip the fact he wanted to be first i mean i give him credit for that right like he's like i got this i'll be first he was like like, yeah i'm gonna make an example out of myself (laughs) let's see what happens (laughs) so Everybody starts freaking out because there are major problems. I think he lost a lot of blood. There was swelling. There was lots of swelling. Yes. From the research that I did yes. was it was just nonstop. Yeah. Like he he needed to go to a hospital. Quickly. So at this point, Marshall is like, I have taken this way too far. You guys need to call the police on me. And the group is like, no, no, it's fine. <laughs> it's, fine. it's fine. This guy doesn't have any nuts. It's fine. We'll just take him to a hospital. So after like a day, okay, mind you, they let this guy sit in this house for a day trying to get... In Mexico. In in Mexico. I'm using air quotes. Mexico. Trying to get this guy's balls to stop swelling. It's not working. They had to take him to a hospital. Duh. And then so they stopped all castrations until they could freaking find doctors who would perform the surgery, which they successfully did. And whoever wanted to be castrated was castrated if you didn't want that you could still stay in the group no problems again what the do- logic but what doctor was like yeah sure well, I, don't I don't know because they probably finessed the system were like it's a religious reason and people were probably just like okay cool it's religious reason so I'll, yeah I'll, I'll come to your house and snip snip but so they're having all these crazy ideas people are 
coming and going. So in 1991, the member number dropped so low that they felt like they needed to start reaching back out and recruit people because the end times are upon us. Mm -hmm. This is when they start their own TV show called Beyond Human. And I think it was on for like eight hours a day on TV. And I think you can go on YouTube and actually watch the episodes that they recorded. And then they put ads in the papers, um, all kinds of stuff, just trying to reach out to people. Um, trying to make it more mainstream so that they could actually get, you know, before it was just them putting out handmade flyers and showing up at some Motel 6, leave the light on for you. So now they're trying to make it more mainstream. Well, because now we're in the 90s, it's not as a popular idea, and they're really met with a lot of rejection and skepticism. More mainstream now, and we are in the 90s, a lot of the group was able to leave and learn how to work with computers, therefore learning how to do this made funds for the group so they had internet access which created their company called higher source which allowed them to make companies websites all this different kind of stuff and they also made their own website which fact is still live to this day being ran by two former members you can go on to heaven's gate website and it will give you the manifesto, mm-hmm. the the testaments, everything. Why would they want to keep that up there after, I mean, I because know, they, some people might not know what happened, but after what happened, why would you want to? Because like, there's going to be, there's more graduations. It wasn't just the graduation. There are more. There's more classes. There's more classes and classrooms to be made. But knowing because how they ended. Well, is because I don't know if you're going to talk about this, but Marshall mentions how, or mentions how the earth sheds over time so that's what he was saying was the earth was shedding and so right now it's rejuvenating and then it'll shut again yeah Hmm. okay so you know now they're they're more out there um also once they have these uh, these meetings some people start to join it's not as many as the beginning but again because the drugs weren't as good the drugs weren't as good (laughs) But now that they have, Breach. again, more people, they are like, oh, my God, the government's after us. We got to go back down underground and not come out or else we're going to be killed. So at this point, Doe was like, I can't keep doing this. I don't know what I'm doing. So he, he had to start planning the exit of their vehicles. So conveniently enter in November 1996, the hale comment. The group believed a conspiracy theory that the government was hiding the fact that a flying saucer was trailing behind Hale-Bopp. So apparently the size of this thing tailing Hale-Bopp was four times the size of Earth. And the significance of them believing this. I guess he this, wasn't that old. How old was he? 65. I also just oh. want you guys out there, if you well, go look at the Wikipedia picture that they have of this dude. <laughs> oh, my God, where's it taking me? <laughs> Oh, yeah. He's. We'll post it on our Instagram because he is fucking something else. But the the fact that they thought that there was something trailing the comet, they were convinced that it was um, that it was a a UFO, that it was the flying saucer. All right. So around December 1996, they have this Christmas party before their exit. Um, And at the time, there's 39 people in this group. So they bake 39 cakes to mark the number of members. They read books, have a talent show. They make this 
fucking song and it gives me chills because mm-hmm. it's so creepy and it's to the sound of music that do re mi whatever mm-hmm. you know what i'm talking about so and also fun fact that's where t and do got their names is because they both love the sound of music t and her daughter really liked it so she, well they both had significant ties to sound of music oh, okay. in their in their human lives okay so that's why they named ended up naming themselves t and do um so they make this this weird fucking song and it's all recorded again you can find it on youtube i am not going to play it because i don't like it um weeks leading up to the suicide it's like they were on one giant vacation um, they were going to all these different places. They're making sure that they had sent copies of the floppy disks to, and the floppy disk contained like their manifesto and the website, like a hard copy of their website. They sent it to Brazil and Poland in case the government took down the U.S. website. So, um, March 22nd, 1997. This is when we begin the exit. Um, which meaning they are exiting their vehicles. There's no, I don't think it's been confirmed the first day of the suicides. This was not just a day-long suicide. It was a whole ritual. It was a whole ritual. It was a whole process. I would guesstimate around a week probably that this whole thing took place. Um, On March 26, 1997, an anonymous call was made to the police with a tip that there was a mass suicide of a religious group the police asked this guy how he knew this information and he told them that he had received letters turns out this guy was a former member who i think had left mere weeks before the suicide happened maybe it was a year i i don't really remember i apologize um but they had reached out to him and sent him a bunch of information and told him come to this address on this day bring your camera and and you will find us and i mean he sure fucking did because he is the one where all the original footage, if you Google Heaven's Gate, you know, footage or crime scene, anything like that, it's his original footage of finding them. Of walking through the house. Of walking through the house. It's it's so eerie because it's just silent and yes. they're just there. Yes. There's it's And it's not a gruesome, if you're interested in looking, it's not gruesome no. by any means. It's It's in a weird sense, it's peaceful because there's nothing really to see. Um, and also I'd like to point out too, the group was renting the house that they did this mass suicide in. It was in uh, Rancho Santa Fe, California. Um, the neighbors knew that there was a religious group next door, but they had no idea of what was going on because they were friendly, paid their bills, kept quiet, kept up with the house. Looking Um, at the pictures right now and it's sad. Yeah, it is. It's, it is sad. Um, so you know this guy makes the phone call he's in the house he films all of this police show up um after a few hours in the house they do confirm that 39 bodies had been discovered uh ultimately it was 21 women and 18 men and at first they thought that it was all men because they had the short haircuts they were all wearing the same clothing they looked so androgynous they didn't know that there were actually women a part of this group um so it was really creepy too, and you'll if you look at the crime scene photos, you'll see everyone was laying down on their backs with their hands to their side, and they were dressed in all black shirt and pants, and they had their Nike shoes on. They also were covered in like purplish red sheets. 
had $5.75 in their pocket, which was an old Mark Twain story that that was the amount of money to ride the tail of a comet into heaven, which makes sense because that's why they killed themselves with the Hale-Bopp comet so they could take off and pay their money, pay their dues to go into heaven's gate. Um, Coroner's office was able to confirm that they took their lives in groups of three because some bodies had been dead for like three, four days, and then it was getting into the more recent deaths. Um, so basically the first group that went was covered by the second group. Second group was covered by the third. And then they had two people who covered the third group, and they could tell that it was done like that because the two people who died last had nothing covering them. So they knew that those two people were sought out to make sure that everyone had died and that they were going to be the last two people because they were not covered with any short, sort of sheet. Um, they took phenobarbitrol to kill themselves. They had taken that with applesauce and washed it down with vodka. It was, and that's how everybody went. Hair of the dog. Hair of the dog. Apparently it was like not painful or like you don't really suffer. No, like I you think just, you slip into a sleep that's and, then, what, yeah. and then you don't, you don't, you don't wake up. Applewhite was in the second group, and he was all alone in the master bedroom. So they gave him, like, his almost own private ensuite to kill himself, which I thought was kind of weird because everybody else is in, like, bunk beds. Bunk They're beds, in a yeah. freaking group together, and he was the only one who was solo. Even the two that died last were together. So he was the only one that got his own separate death, pretty much. The aftermath, if you will, um is basically that the, these members thought that they have now graduated and they're in the next level. And I think that family members tried to be respectful in the death of losing who they, you know, who was in the group that they knew, but ultimately it was just kind of like, what the fuck were you thinking? So a year after the suicides, ex-members of Heaven Gate, have Heaven's Gate met in Montana and Terry Nettles, T's daughter, read the notes that her mother had been writing her throughout these years being in this group. And the people who came back were fucking pissed because they're like the hypocrisy of it all. Yeah. You are telling me that I can't talk to my family, but here you are telling your daughter to conform to society. She was literally telling her daughter, don't do anything that doesn't go with the flow. Just it's going to make your life easier if you just go with what society's saying. So they were all really pissed that this is what was going on because they had to disconnect from society and everything and here their fearless leader is going against the grain here um t's daughter said that she believes if her mother was still alive the group would not have taken this turn so i think that i mean you know whatever that would mean but i think that her daughter knows that if her mom was alive that they would not have been dead like you could have saved 39 lives it was just because doe didn't know what to do yeah so he just said i'm done dealing with it we're all going to go kill ourselves because that wasn't the message that t was trying to spread it was that you were going to shed your humanness and transition from a human into an alien doe was the one who made the 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 point that you had to exit your vehicle mm -hmm. you were never supposed to have to do that mm -hmm. it was supposed to just be this one transition so it was kind of like it, he kind of played off the bible with jesus yes jesus died jesus died and was resurrected yes. so they're going to die and be resurrected 
in this fucking flying saucer as aliens. The aliens. Yes. Didn't he spend, like, I don't know how long before, like, getting a feel out of everybody wondering if they would? Yes. He he was kind of playing it by ear, like, hey, I'm kind of toying with this idea Mm -hmm. of suicide thoughts. And everybody was like, we will follow you. This cult remains the largest mass suicide on U.S. soil to this day, which I also wanted to point out a morbid fun fact. One of the members who took their life was the brother of actress Nichelle Nichols, who was on the fucking show Star Trek. Her brother. But isn't that just fucking crazy? But she was she was actually interviewed um, on the HBO documentary and she was like, I don't agree with what my brother did, but he was so smart. I have to respect him and that that's what he, that was his desire. That was his thought. That's what he chose to do. And a lot of these members, we talked about this, were smart. They They were were so fucking smart. It's just, we assume that people who join cults aren't of sound mind or they're not, don't have a high IQ. Yeah, that they're just like a bunch of idiots. Because I think that that was a big thing with the, people who um, you know had left the group and, and weren't members anymore and then they found out about the suicide is that the media was like oh look at these dumbasses who took their lives in california blah blah, blah. and he's like no like these people yeah. were intelligent they were it people they could build computers business, business people yeah. i mean people who had lives and careers before they joined this cult but i think and Haley and i were kind of touching on this this morning when we were recording that like <laughs> when we were fucking around um that you know sometimes maybe with smart people it was the thought of like i'm so intelligent that i know that this is this is fact that this is the truth because i am so smart this can't be no one can bamboozle me yeah i can't be fooled <laughs> and so it was kind of fool? <laughs> so it was kind of like you know i'm this smart this is the truth and here you go you can't you know change my mind they didn't (laughs) and they also eventually released video of the members or this class talking to their family they recorded videos of oh it was video it wasn't just audio no yeah no it's it's like a three hour long video of of, and they were in pairs i think it was actually with their check partners they filmed them saying their goodbyes and what they wanted people to know about the group before they took their lives and i think it was filmed like a day or two before the suicide and all of them said like we're happy uh, granted you know but they they pushed on the fact of like we're happy this is our decision and like Mm -hmm. i you know they could be forced to say this but they but it seemed like they were pretty much doing it on their free will like that's just what they had to say right well and i will say i mean even when t was alive it was just if you want to stay stay if you don't you're free to leave yeah i mean and that's kind of i mean and that did stay pretty much true throughout the whole time if you wanted to leave especially after t had passed doe was not making you stay but at the same time he wasn't making it easy for you to leave because if you had this check partner and like that guy was saying leave to his yeah, but girlfriend. I think that that was because she was so convinced that well, that no, was the I, right way. I agree, but he obviously, with the rules of the group, it was not easy for them to change their mind or to think differently. Yeah, I see your point. Yeah, I get your point. Yeah, because they, the, if they wanted to leave, they always had to go meet with him. They mm-hmm. had to go meet with Doe and say, hey, I'm struggling in this area. Can you help me fix it? If you cannot, I think it's best that I leave. So, I mean, it was kind of 
having to have a conversation with him and letting him know where you were kind of like going to your boss and putting your two weeks in like hey yeah exactly (laughs) I mean and that's really kind of what it felt like so I mean yeah to your point it made it hard with someone constantly being around you but if you knew that something was wrong you could have separated from your partner to then talk to Doe and then made your decision from there well and I also heard that they only were allowed to talk to their family members or whoever for like 15 minutes on the phone. Yeah. And some of the parents were, they met up with somebody. I can't remember who it was. I have no notes in front of me. Sorry. (laughs) But they met up with some guy who ultimately was in a cult when he was younger. And when he got deprogrammed, he became like obsessed with like how it happens. Mm -hmm. So he started doing a bunch of research and he started holding like, I don't know, gatherings for the parents to help teach them how to help so try they to understand they, the cults yeah and how so they, they work. understand it and so they had like techniques to better try to get their kids back huh and so and it's in it's in that podcast um and so he was saying like you have to make them remember the past so you need to talk about a lot of things that happened in the past like specific instances that they would remember, remember. to try to pull them out of right. their current thinking right and then so in this, they play one phone call between the daughter and the mom and dad. He, he jumps on, too. But you can see how, like, they do that, and then the daughter changes the subject, like, and she purposely yes. won't talk much about the group. And it's like everybody has these games that they're playing on trying to figure out, like. Yes. It's, it's creepy because it makes you realize, like, while, yes, this is their decision, these rules, goes back to what we were just saying, these rules make it so much harder for them to actually think freely outside of them because yeah. they've got somebody else listening on the, on the same line to check what they say. They know that they can't say this, that, and the other. Yeah. Mom and dad are trying real hard to get you to remember this and talk about the cult so they can figure more out. It's just it's yeah. sad. Well, and I think, too, and I don't have this specific note in front of me, but uh, – anyone who wants to get more into like the psychology of cults and specifically heaven's gate um this guy named sam harris has a really great podcast i think it's episode seven in his podcast um and he goes into like an hour or so in depth of psychology behind cults and he talks specifically about heaven's gate it's super interesting you should listen we'll tag it in the description of this episode if you're curious yes because heaven's gate it's just it's a little different than quote-unquote classic cults that we yeah it's we i know. mean it's night and day from charles manson yeah, for or jonestown anything, like, anything that. like that one of the big takeaways that i was just thinking about through this whole entire thing is that this whole group and cults in general really reflects how susceptible people can be because we can sit here and go oh i would never do that but you know people stay in like abusive relationships or in cults just because simply someone can manipulate you and and twist their way to get around things. Mm-hmm. So the gravity of how real manipulation is 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 fucking mind-blowing. Like these were smart people. T and Doe were smart people too, but they just knew how to use their intelligence to wrap people into what they were what they were thinking and what they were saying. So like many cults and this one in particular just shows how powerful the human mind is. And if you have one person who's able to show control and dominance, people are going to follow along. And I think that goes with a lot of things. I mean, I don't know how many times, oh, that'll never happen to me. 
Yeah. Mm. Anything. Yeah, no. You know, I've heard people, you know, oh, that'll never happen to me. And then I'll never get addicted like my family. You know, if someone has a history of, of addiction yeah. in their family. Yeah. And that happens. Or, oh, that'll never happen to me, you know. They think, yeah, you think that you're an anomaly until you're in it. And yeah. you're like, oh, shit. Yeah. Like, I should have never said, you know, that this would never happen to me because here I am. Well, yeah. it makes me think of any case of, like, somebody being kidnapped. And, like, there's some yeah. severe ones out there yes. where it's like, oh, I'm taking the person I've kidnapped to the grocery store with me. And they're still not going to run. And it's because they've been completely manipulated into... Yeah, that was our second episode of Liquor and Luminol, and we discussed Heaven's Gate. We hope you enjoyed, yes. and that you will come back for episode three when we put that out. And I just wanted to say we are working on getting this podcast on Apple. They ha- we have to go through like a vetting process. It can take up to ten days. I know our first episode isn't on there right now, but we're working to get it on there. So we should be on apple we are on spotify right now yes and on anchor and you can find our website linked to our anchor account um in our uh, info box or description box on yeah, our instagram box. yeah all right well thank you guys for listening again yes. and we'll talk to you next time and if you have any suggestions of episodes we should cover comment on our instagram yes follow us like our episodes liquor and luminol you know whatever it's on social media that you're doing We'll title this tape, uh, Planet Earth About to be Recycled. Your only chance to evacuate is to leave with us. Planet Earth About to be Recycled. Your only chance to survive or evacuate is to leave with us.